Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of our podcast here at Redmond Presbyterian Church that we call In Process. Uh, This is another opportunity for us to uh, learn together and to pay attention to our community, what God is doing in, in the midst of our lives and all around us. And so on this podcast, we often try to pay attention to uh, space and, and places around us, stories from within our community, um, and sometimes from outside of our community that, that inform the ways that we pay attention locally. And so uh, today is one of those days, uh, similar to the last episode, I think, uh, where we talked about a great book called uh, The Hidden Folk. Uh, This time around or this week, I want to talk about another book that I'm reading uh, recently that has got me thinking about the power of story and how we listen and and what that means uh, in our lives and our families and our communities, especially in our communities and around um, our areas. So again, welcome this week uh, to In Process here with Redmond Presbyterian Church. If I didn't already say so, uh, my name is Austin Ashenbrenner. I'm the pastor here at Redmond Presbyterian, and I'm so glad uh, that you're joining us. So let's jump right in. Uh, this week, uh, or this time around, I want to talk about, like I said, a, a book that's making me think about uh, story and listening. And that book is uh, is is one that was recommended to me by some friends of mine at the Seattle Presbytery, and the book is called Murder at the Mission, a subtitle, A Frontier Killing Its Legacy of Lies and the Taking of the American West by uh, Blaine Hardin. It's a New York Times uh, bestseller, Murder at the Mission. And Murder at the Mission is a book, it's a historical nonfiction Um historical uh, retelling or, or um, yeah, retelling of the story of Dr. Marcus Whitman and his wife, Narcissa Whitman, and their mission uh, near Walla Walla, Washington. And so what's really at the heart of the book, and I won't go through the whole book chapter by chapter, is what uh, Blaine Harden refers to as the Whitman lie. The, the, the narrative of the Whitman story is about uh, the Whitman massacre and how Dr. Marcus Whitman and his wife Narcissa came out from New York out to Washington. Back then it was the Oregon country uh, and set up a mission uh, amongst Native American tribe, the Cayuse tribe in uh, this part of Walla Walla, and and they were subsequently massacred, both of them murdered, as well as others uh, in the mission. And the story as it goes on is that they were these, you know, martyrs for the the Christian cause, that they had done all this amazing stuff, that they had saved uh, the West, so to speak, from um, from being developed by, by other countries, from uh, the Native Americans themselves, all of these things. This story was widely propagated by another um, missionary at the time, a man by the name of Henry Spaulding. Coincidentally, both Henry Spaulding and Marcus Whitman were Presbyterian missionaries and, and pastors. And so that's the story that gets told and retold throughout uh, generations um, leading up to today. That's where we get the name of things like Whitman University and and Camp Spalding in in uh, Eastern Washington or Idaho. Um, these stories have lived on and and have have made meaning. This is you know kind of the the narrative of um, Western progress and and what the book sets out to point out is that it was largely a lie, a lie that was told uh, to propagate 
Western expansion of the U.S. to paint uh, missionaries, especially uh, Presbyterian missionaries, in a, in a positive light when, in fact, they had uh, done great harm to, uh, to the indigenous populations and, and the Native American um, tribes that they had worked with. And, and there was a quote in the introduction that stuck out to me uh, and that gets picked up throughout the book. And the quote is this, the Whitman lie is a timeless reminder that in America, a good story has an insidious way of trumping a true one. Let me say that again. A good story has an insidious way of trumping a true one, a true story, especially if that story confirms our virtue, congratulates our pluck, and enshrines our status as God's chosen people. That's powerful. A good story has uh, the insidious uh, way of, of trumping a true story. And what this book, I think, confronts us with is the question of how do we tell stories uh, in our lives and how do we make meaning uh, about, you know, our, our lives, our communities, uh, our, our history, and how do we how do we learn perhaps as we move forward how to do that better? Uh, one of, I think, the, the underlying questions that the book asks is uh, not just how do we tell stories, but who do we let tell the story, right? So obviously in this situation, uh, as Western, um, as, as white missionaries come from the, the east of the U.S. and they move out into the, the west, um, the storytellers are, are, are the conquerors, are the colonizers, are uh, the, the, the white people who come and, and, and displace uh, the indigenous populations. So the question is, you know, how do, how, how do we let stories be told by, by greater and, 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 and wider uh, voices? In other words, who do we listen to? So how do we craft stories in such a way um, that they are closer to true stories rather than good stories, right? Uh, and this is the, the good work that I think in lots of corners of our, of our culture and hopefully in our churches that we are doing right now as we look back on our history, our collective history, and we start to recognize and reckon with the idea that some of the stories that, that have shaped us are not true, right? They are stories that have marginalized people and have enslaved people and have hurt people. And so the question is not just how do we dwell. Is This isn't just about dwelling on the past. This is about learning how to listen and tell stories together uh, that include everyone's voice or as many voices as possible uh, that that humanize all instead of just venerating a few, especially at the cost of others, right? This is a this Whitman story is a perfect example of how uh, at the cost of the lives and the reputations that lasted for generations uh, for these Native American tribes, uh, it, it, it was decided uh, for lots of reasons most of them economic and, and some of them um, institutional in terms of uh, propping up uh, churches and missions. Uh, 
the decision was made to prop up Marcus Whitman and, and his mission, his wife and his family and his mission at the cost of others, these, the, the, the Cayuse tribe and, and others, um, dehumanizing them and, and pushing them aside. And so what we're looking for is, is as we move forward, I mean, certainly we have uh, work to do to undo some of that damage that has been done. But as we move forward, how do we begin to tell stories that, that humanize everyone, that, that welcome everyone into the story instead of uh, lifting up just a few uh, at the cost of others? Also, can we be humble enough to listen to stories or tell stories where, heaven forbid, we are the ones who, who make a mistake or we're the ones who messed up and, and we need to, to make amends, right? Can we tell stories collectively uh, in our communities, in our churches where we're not uh, the protagonist, where we're not the one that comes out shining and, and looking perfect, but rather can we tell stories where this is a good example of, of when we messed up, um, where we struggled, right? Oftentimes, I think those are the stories where, where we learn the most, where we learn the most about how to be better, how to forgive, how to accept uh, forgiveness or to accept grace in these places. I bring up these questions because they directly relate, I think, to um, the kinds of questions and the work that we are doing um, or that we want to be doing as a church today in, in our communities around the country and, and particularly here in Redmond. Right? We've been asking lots of questions on this podcast and in our church about you know, how do we love our neighbors if we don't know them? How do we draw near to those in our community who uh, we might learn about God's grace from rather than, you know, assume that we are the, the ones in, in this story who are, are perfect and, and bringing all the answers? Toward that end, with, with that goal in mind, uh, in a couple weeks, uh, there's a, a small group of people from, from our church here at Redmond Presbyterian who are seeking to do that, who are seeking to uh, learn the story of our community uh, in a way that isn't just uh, told through our voice or um, you know, in a way that lifts us up perhaps at the cost of others, right? This is, this is all the wonderful things we do uh, to, to help others. The way we're going to do that, and I, I don't think this is necessarily the, the one and only way or the perfect way, but I, I think it's a good way and I want to tell you about it. And I definitely want to tell you uh, how it goes. And so stay tuned for perhaps a second part of this episode. In two weeks, a small group of folks from our church have invited uh, a variety of, of folks from around our community out to dinner. Uh, at a local restaurant, we've invited uh, some city officials and some uh, local educators. Uh, some of them we know personally, some we don't. And we just kind of cold called them or sent emails or, or worked through um, mutual contacts. And the invitation was basically what I said a few minutes ago. We as a, as a church desire to work towards the, the good of our community, but we recognize that we don't fully know our community. And so we would love to sit down over a meal with you and we'd love to learn from you about um, more about our community. Where do you see its greatest strengths? Where do you have high hopes for the future in our community? What are some of the needs that, that you experience in your work, in your life, uh, as you go about um, the, you know, interacting with students or, or families or community members uh, around Redmond? 
we want to learn from these these partners because again we want to recognize that as we tell the story of our community as and and from our perspective the story of what what God is doing in our community we recognize that that we can't be the only voices in that story right that we believe that God is is present throughout our community throughout the lives of of absolutely everyone uh, in our community and we don't have the corner on the market of of truth or or the full perspective so when i read this this book murder at the mission and it's just this historical story it actually tells me a whole lot about what does it mean for us to to move around and and walk through our community today how do we do that um with a different posture rather than being the primary storytellers, uh, being ones who, who come in as partners, uh, as co-creators in that story along with our, our, our neighbors. So that's what we're going to do in a couple weeks. We're going to sit down. We're going to have a, a lovely meal at a, a restaurant here in town. And we've got some questions, uh, but we also just want to, to hear the stories uh, from around our community and hope together uh, to begin crafting um, a, a larger story about what we see um, as, as the work that God is inviting us into in, in, in helping uh, families, students, uh, people in Redmond looking for access to, to mental health care, whatever it is, we want to learn how to tell the story of uh, our community flourishing in, in a new way. So that's coming up, and I look forward to telling you more about it. The last thing I want to say, just as I'm, I'm thinking about this idea of story, and especially that quote about how a good story tends to, to win out over um, a true story, especially when those stories confirm our virtue and our pluck, as the author says, or our, um, you know, just our goodness. Reflecting on that, it, it, it hit me that, you know, when, when we pay attention to the words of Jesus, when we pay attention to the words of scripture, uh, the gospel message, uh, that, that good news is a story that is really uninterested <laughs> in our pluck or our virtue or our uh, ability to, to come out of this story uh, shining, right? I think about how every single Sunday at church, uh, we build into the rhythm of our, our worship the, the act of confession. Every single week we come to a place where we remember we have failed. We have not measured up. Every story in scripture is, is about Jesus uh, coming alongside people who um, are hurting, who are um, marginalized, who are forgotten, who are, um, who are not welcomed or, or who are um, you know, who have actively worked against the good of the community and Jesus restoring them to health and wholeness and, and, and love and, and community. So, so why are we only concerned with, with stories that affirm our goodness, our virtue, right? I, I understand why that's a rhetorical question. Of course, I get it. We want to be good and we want to be seen as, as the, the good guy in the story. And yet scripture again, reminds us over and over again, that this greater story of God's love is not about our perfection, but rather about God's and not about our um, uh, ability to, to perfect ourselves, but about our ability to recognize 
our own need, our own uh, fallibility, our own humanity. And in that, to recognize that we are known and loved. So that, again, uh, I hope shapes the way that we uh, listen to stories, the way that we tell stories in our community, way the, the way that we look for stories, right, is not for stories that confirm our our goodness and our perfection, but stories that affirm uh, God's love for all of us. And so that's what we want to do. That's what we want to keep looking for. And that's what I want to encourage us all with this day. So again, thank you so much for uh, sticking around with us today. This is another kind of uh, brief episode. I've got some other episodes lined up in the near future where I get to uh, interview some people who have some wonderful stories about interacting uh, with people in in our church and in our community and and ways that they have uh, witnessed God at work in some of these wonderful ways. So stay tuned for some of those. I'm excited to share those with you. And again, I'm glad that you stuck with us today. So enjoy and we'll see you next time.